Often imitated, never duplicated. This is Novel Marketing, the longest running marketing podcast in the world. <laughs> and this is episode 200. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr. I'm James L. Rubart, but as always, please call me Jim. And in this episode, we are celebrating 200 years of novel marketing. Not 200 years, it feels like that sometimes. 200 episodes. <laughs> So we're going to be talking live about what has changed over the past six years, uh, what we've learned. We're going to be answering your questions. We see that a lot of you have sent in your questions already. We have a, a great uh, live studio audience, which is very exciting. Uh, Jim, is, we just lost Jim, but hopefully he'll, he will be back soon. And uh, this episode is jam-packed full of cool information and uh, cool uh, events, including a giveaway. We are giving away a bunch of different things. We'll have different giveaways uh, throughout the party, including one that everyone who sticks around will get. So if you stick around, at some point, we are going to be giving away a prize that goes to everyone. And while you are typing in your questions, we have a special um, audio to play from another podcaster. This is Chase from the Pastor Writer Podcast, and I wanted to say congratulations to Thomas and Jim on 200 episodes of Novel Marketing. If you want one of the best marketing lessons I think you can pick up from these 200 episodes, surely it's the lesson of perseverance. Marketing is a long game, and it's a game that both Jim and Thomas have modeled well. Congratulations, 200 episodes is a real achievement. Here's to 200 more. All right, and thank you, Chase, uh, for that congratulations audio. We have a bunch of audios for, for some really cool folks of the Pastor Writer uh, Podcast. We have some fans, apparently, in the chat of the Pastor Writer Podcast. And we um, and the winner of this giveaway gets a free half-hour consultation with James L. Rubart, who is now live <laughs> back on, <laughs> live with us on the air. So with that, Jim, let's talk about some of the things that have changed over the last few, five years. I know a lot, or six years, a lot of people have uh, been curious about kind of trends in the industry. This is a really popular thing that we got feedback about ahead of time. What are some of the trends you've seen since we started this podcast back in the ancient times? Well, one of the things, Thomas, is I don't think we're as bad as we used to be. <laughs> That's early episode. We say as we're having all kinds of technical problems on the live video. Yeah, yeah, we're having that. But uh, but in terms of just technically, and you go back and listen to episodes one through ten, it's like, oh my gosh, what are what what were we, what were we thinking? What were we doing? So our, we have, our, yeah, that's true. Our audio is definitely better. We have we have nicer microphones. We know a little bit more uh, about what we're doing. Uh, we we learned some things the hard way. I think we're using completely different equipment than we did at the beginning. Yeah. Um, one of the things that's jumped out to me in the last six years is the rise of Amazon's dominance. So they were wow. a strong player six years ago, but they were still seen as one of many players. Barnes & Noble was still big. There was a store called Borders that still existed. There was uh, Lifeway, Family Christian stores, lots of chains. And now you have Amazon, which is, for a lot of authors, the only game. They get 100% of their revenue from Amazon. And what Amazon says goes. Like they have dictatorial powers over the industry now. And I think of, of the trends, uh, that's one of the biggest ones that I've seen. And by the way, feel free to chime in in the chat what trends you've seen uh, and, and what you've noticed that have changed. What, what are some of your thoughts, Jim? Well, one of the other things that has changed is podcasting. Like, like you said, when we started this thing, we were the only ones doing marketing specifically 
for books at that time. And now you've got four, five, six of them. Well, same thing with authors. A lot more authors are doing podcasts. When you first introduced the idea of doing podcasts, I thought, Thomas, that's, you know, no, we should do radio. Let's do a radio show if we're going to do it. And you said, no, Jim, this is the future. And you were absolutely right. And so I'd say um, you, you've definitely seen the explosion of podcasts. And along with that, I think what has changed in the last five years is the explosion of audiobooks. And, and audiobooks are kind of where podcasts were three or four years ago. And so I think that's another area that's just going to continue to explode. All right. We have a special guest here who's going to come on. Hey, are you excited to be on the air? This is Mercy, <laughs> who's about to go to bed. Hey, look, it's you on the screen. Can you say hi? Hi. So anyway, uh, for those of you tuning in later, this is my daughter, Mercy, who I've been talking about um, basically every episode of the show. So it's, and it's really, she is the future. She she's the future of, of, of an almost. She, novel this market. is the future of the industry right here. This baby gets many many books read to her every day. Uh, and my wife has a collection of one hundred books. And what does she want? She wants the same three books over and over again. So, but as she gets older, hopefully her uh, taste will expand. Okay. So other trends, other trends in the industry. Um, so I will say, in general, the fall of social media as a uh, effective marketing platform, when we first got started in uh, 2013, was right after the heyday of social media working. I feel like when social media, especially Twitter and Facebook, worked best, started around 2010 and kind of ended around 2012, and it has been a slow, steady decline uh, authors still spend a lot of time on social media, and I think it's often to their detriment, although you'll find a lot of the ones who are making money spend very little time on social media. But as one person pointed out in the chat, Instagram has grown uh, in terms of users. And, and we kind of saw the rise and fall of Pinterest. Pinterest is still around. Pinterest is still popular. Uh, but there was one year where Pinterest was like this <clears> tsunami <throat> of traffic. It was like if you were on Pinterest, it would bring a lot of traffic to your website. Instagram doesn't do that because it's, uh, linking on Instagram is tricky. And it's not really a promotional tool unless you're paying for ads, uh, which leads us into our next major trend, I would say, uh, advertising. <laughs> so yeah. uh, when we started this show, Mark Dawson was just getting started promoting Facebook ads. Uh, in fact, I think he hadn't started yet. I think the ads for Authors Course, I'm not sure when he started the ads for Authors Course. I think it was a year or so after. I think he started that in 2014. I, I may not be remembering the dates correctly. Um, but he kind of opened up the world of advertising for authors on Facebook. And now there's not just Facebook, but it's Instagram, it's Amazon, it's um, BookBub, another big trend. I don't think BookBub existed yeah. when we started this show. We've been- Yeah, I don't uh, think it did. Yeah, we've been covering, we've done a lot of episodes on BookBub actually over the years. And we'll talk about some of those here in a little bit. Um, but advertising has been really big and it's really changed uh, who the winners are. Cause some traditional publishers were really bad at advertising. They didn't spend any money at it. And indie authors were able to outmaneuver them and get big chunks of the market. That's that's another trend that I mentioned, Thomas, is indie authors. Nink was not a big deal six years ago. Um, there were still people that talked about indie authors as vanity authors back then. And now it has become so legitimate uh, with a lot of indie authors making six-figure incomes. Indies have have definitely put themselves on the map now. Yeah, and uh, not just um, in Inc., but also 20 books to 50K, that kind of movement. It's a Facebook group. It's a <laughs> conference, and it's a way of life, right? If you're writing 20 books, you're approaching writing in a very different way because you're trying to write uh, a lot of books uh, to make that 
money. So I, I, we have some 20 books to 50K folks here in the chat uh, and, and at conference attendees who are, who are posting. So shout out to Shatona. Um, and I, I really think in, in terms of things that affected this show, I think the rise of Indies have been uh, the biggest. Because when we started the show, we were pretty much just focused on traditional yeah. publishing. Yeah, like and, 99 of it yeah because you were you know best-selling traditionally published author and i was running a um book uh, book websites uh agency and the only people who could afford us back then were traditionally published authors right. and, oh how the tables have turned <laughs> yeah, the, uh, and now now six years later i am an indie author myself because i got rights back to my first three novels and i'm working on a series of books with a friend of ours and i'm gonna go indie on that and so yeah my whole mindset has shifted personally uh, with regard to going indie. So, and, big uh, change. Yeah, I, I think it's been really great. And I think it's important for authors to have choices because even if you're yeah. going traditional, having that as an option, I think forces your traditional publisher to treat you a little bit better, right? You have more negotiating leverage. It's not either this traditional publisher or another traditional publisher. They still have to bid against each other, but now they also have to bid against you as your own publisher. And anytime authors get more power, uh, and publishers get less power. I see that as a win. Uh, no offense. I know we have publishers who listen to the show, and we love you, and you can continue no, hiring us as consultants. But we are an author-first show, uh, and and I'm not ashamed uh, to say that. So any other trends you've seen uh, in the last five years you want to highlight? Well, I, you know, we got a lot of feedback early on where, okay, I hate marketing. And we even had, as our tagline in the early days, was that this is a show for people who want to make money, want to become best-selling authors, but hate marketing. And, and at a certain point, we got away from that and said, wait a minute, we have a lot of people saying, I don't necessarily <clears throat> love it. It's not my first choice, but I've accepted it. And now I, I want to get good at it. So I think that's been a major shift too. And, and it's an important shift because when marketing is working for you, and you're making money, right? You're doing an advertising campaign, you spend $1,000 and you make $3,000, you don't hate marketing anymore, right? Like suddenly <laughs> right. that's your vacation, right? Like that's actual extra money, that's your uh, mortgage. And the, yeah. the marketing is what enabled that to happen. And so, yeah, we still are the show for people who hate marketing, but we're also the show for people who love marketing. <laughs> that's right, that's right, we're both. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about some of the big dramas that have happened over the first year. But uh, first, maybe we should do another giveaway. What do you think? You another giveaway. All right. Yeah, I love giveaways. So this is another one for uh, folks who have asked a question, so it's not too late. You've asked your question, and this giveaway is a free 30-minute consultation with me, Thomas Amstat. Junior. Uh, so go ahead and post your questions. And during that, we'll play another clip. Hi, this is Karen Ball. And this is Aaron Taylor Young. And we're the team behind the Right from the Deep podcast. Yeah, and we want to congratulate Thomas and Jim on 200 episodes of Novel Marketing. 200 episodes. Congrats. Yay. Yay. Congratulations, guys. <laughs> I, I love those folks. Uh, thank I you, do. Aaron and Karen from the Right from the Deep podcast and of the podcasts who have uh, given us shout outs. We'll have links uh, to each one of those podcasts in the show notes if you want to check them out. And William, if you could select a random winner from the folks who have asked a question. So let's talk about some big dramas over the year. I feel years. I feel like publishing is getting more dramatic, not less dramatic. Uh at least when I put together the major dramas that have happened, at least affecting our show, uh, the number in the last year is equal to the five years before. <laughs> so it's like the drama <laughs> yeah. levels are going up and up. Um, 
So the first drama that affected us was my courtship blog post. I wrote this blog post titled Why Courtship is Fundamentally Flawed, and it kicked off a national conversation about courtship. It brought a million page views uh, to my website. It brought in lots and lots of hate uh, letters and hate messages uh, <laughs> from around the web. And it caused us to go on a three-month-long hiatus because psychologically I just couldn't do the podcast while I was dealing with the aftermath of that yeah, that was brutal. Uh, that, that blog post. And I didn't realize until I went back because we did an episode kind of looking back on that blog post and kind of the lessons that I learned and how to deal with haters. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. And the first thing we do in that episode is apologize for basically a three-month-long hiatus, which now with our weekly schedule, three months, that's what 12 episodes missed uh, equivalent. So uh, part of the reason why we're the longest running podcast and not the podcast with the highest number of episodes is because of missed episodes. So we missed those three months and we were every other um, week. We were fortnightly, as they would say, on the other side of the pond, which I'm curious. Did any of you listen to us back when we were fortnightly? I think for a whole year we were a fortnightly podcast. Um Anyway, it's it. I that had almost wrecked my brand. It almost repositioned me in the eyes of everyone around me as the courtship, dating, and relationships guy. Right. And right. Uh, it was I, it was interesting because I went in the first writers conference I went to after I wrote that blog post. Half of the people who talked to me didn't talk to me about book marketing or websites. They talked to me about dating and relationships, which was really weird. Um, I'm, I'm so glad to be like, back. It's not, like, it's not like you wrote a book or anything, Thomas, you know, that would call attention to it. Well, I hadn't written the book yet at that conference. It oh, had just been the had, blog post. Okay. And people at just the conference the are like, post. you got to, because authors, right? They're always saying, you got to write a book. You got to write a book because for them, it's easy. I'm like, hey, coaches don't play. <laughs> but I wrote a book anyway. It was a great, it was a great, uh, great lesson. And what are some well, other drama? Well, here's the, th the thing I loved about that, Thomas, is you had been the consultant on the other side for years and years and years, but now you are on the side of the authors. And so I think the experience you got from being on that side, everything from publishing your book and editing and, and going through that whole process and promoting, I think that was a very valuable thing for you now to be on the other side of the table. Yeah, it's like a football coach actually getting on the field and playing. Yeah. It's, it's the yeah. same, but what's different mm -hmm. is the fear. Right when there's a 300-pound football player charging at you, it's a lot scarier when you're standing on the field than when uh, you're standing on uh, the sidelines. Um, so another uh, trend that kind of affected the show a little bit was the 2016 uh, election. We learned that none of you want to hear us talk about politics. <laughs> so uh, I am linking to the one episode that we did like a post-election recap of what the marketing lessons were. And... Jim, maybe that's all we should say about that lesson. Yeah, let's you know. <laughs> I, I'm kind of offended that you even said election there. Thomas. <laughs> all right, we're moving right along to um, the uh, the next big drama was GDPR. Now we're getting into more recent uh, days. I don't know if any of you remember this, but this is the General Data Protection Regulation, and there were <laughs> some people in the author industry who were creating um, courses on and products to help protect you from the evil European government that was going to come and drag you off to jail. And they were really drumming up a lot of fear, especially amongst American authors, which is really interesting. And we were the first, one of the first voices in the industry, I feel, <clears throat> to say, hey, if you're an American author, this is not something you need to stress about. And we made, I felt, a really strong case. And it really changed the conversation. And it was one, for a while, it was a very recommended episode. I also did a YouTube video on it and an author media post. And a whole bunch of folks just shared that. When someone was trying to freak them out about GDPR, they just share a link uh, to our episode on it. Be like, here are the reasons why 
it's not uh, stressing me out. I did offend some of our European listeners. We got some of our angriest feedback ever after that episode. Um, but it's how laws work. You follow the laws of the country that you're in and the treaties that that country follows. You don't follow the laws of another country. So anyway, America. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Um, all right. So the next two dramas, Jim, happened in like the last two months. Uh, yeah. So we've had quite GBT USA. I, I don't know what that stands for, but somebody just posted it to the chat. Uh, so Jim, uh, the I guess uh, the next one is the MailChimp, right? So there was almost like a year after GDPR, everyone freaked out about MailChimp. Yeah, it was kind of like it was kind of like GDPR 2.0, where everybody just was, oh my gosh, Mailchimp, and 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 like any of those things, I think um, the hype often turns out to be more than the actual reality of the situation. But it was good for us to get in there and say, all right, here's what's going on. Here are your options. What do you do? Um, and we're we're not saying everyone needs to leave Mailchimp. We have made that choice, but Mailchimp for a lot of people is still an excellent choice. And so I'd encourage people to go back and listen to the episode and figure out, okay, are you one of the ones that needs to move or are you one of the ones that can stay and still have great experience with them? And what's interesting is that we, again, kind of took a contrary to the popular view of like, not everyone has to leave right. Mailchimp. We were like, hey, Mailchimp still works for most authors, especially if you're just getting started. Ironically, we have left Mailchimp since then um, because we were in the group uh, that Mailchimp really was not a good uh, fit for, and we moved to ConvertKit. Um, in fact, all yesterday I was moving over the last bits of novel marketing. So, Author Media moved um, a couple weeks ago, and I spent an extensive amount of time recreating all of our automations in Mailchimp in ConvertKit. And I really love ConvertKit; it's a much better platform. But just because something is easy doesn't mean that it doesn't require work. And so don't move. You listen to that episode. Well, I won't go into it too much. But the TLDR is don't move unless you have a good reason. And most authors don't actually have a good reason to leave MailChimp, even with the changes that they put into place. And again, we all have a link. This episode show notes has links to more other episodes than any episode in the history of novel marketing. Uh, if you've never looked at the show notes, and I know some of you don't, and that's fine, but if you've never looked, this is one show notes that you might wanna actually dig into and find some of those links. That's right. And then the most recent drama is the uh, Amazon counterfeiting drama. And I feel like this has been uh, a story that's just beginning. I feel yeah, like the, I, I, I feel like the drama of, of counterfeiting. A lot of authors don't realize they're being counterfeited already, and as more authors find out they're being counterfeited, there's going to be a lot more outcry, and Amazon's probably going to have to do something about it because they're going to have a lot of egg on their face uh, because authors, unlike a lot of other sellers and a lot of other categories, have influence. They have power. They have followings that they can leverage, and they can get on the news. Right? If you're selling USB dongles. Right, your ability to get on the news and complain about Amazon's practices is really limited. But if you're a best-selling author, your ability to get on the news is a lot more. And so, in some ways, um, Amazon's the big counterfeiting operation at Amazon is uh, a big deal. And uh, we have an episode on that. I think it's episode 198. Yes, is the episode we talked about uh, the counterfeiting you, problem with Amazon. Um, and, and again, we'll have links to all of these in the show notes, but keep an eye on the chat and people are posting links. William's doing a great job in the links in the uh, chat, posting links to the articles we talk about in real time. So we, we appreciate you, uh, William. All right. So uh, we have a special gift. So this is not the prize that everyone wins. This is a special gift that not only everyone here 
gets, but also all of our listeners in the future to the edited version of this also get. So we have a couple of special gifts to celebrate the 200th episode of the Novel Marketing Podcast. And the first is a 20% off coupon for all Novel Marketing courses. So the coupon code is 200. So just type in the number 200 at checkout and it'll give you 20% off any course that you can find at novelmarketing.com. Just click on courses, that coupon works on everything. The second gift is for our patrons and it is something really cool. We're gonna do a whole episode on this in the future. Uh, so this is just a quick announcement, but it is a directory of podcast hosts. Not of a few hundred podcast hosts, not of a few thousand, not of tens of thousands, but over 100,000 podcast hosts and their email addresses available at this time for patrons only. Right now, all $5 and up patrons get free access to the podcast host directory. You can find out more about that at mm. podcasthostdirectory.com. <laughs> so if you want to get as a guest on podcasts, and you need the email address of a podcast to reach out to them, this tool will have that podcaster's email address. It is one of the coolest things I have ever made. <laughs> and I'm really excited about what this is going to change in the industry. We're limiting it to 100 people uh, because um, I do want to actually sell this for real money in the future. But for the first 100 patrons who join at the $5 level and up, they'll have access to this uh, into the future. Uh, so. And Thomas is downplaying this a little bit. This is a big deal. This could be a huge tool for you. And Mary DeMuth just made a comment. She said, I already got four new bookings for interviews through using this tool. Um, and some of you know that Mary is part of our mastermind group. And um, so Thomas rolled it out to us as kind of a beta testing. This thing works. So this is a big deal. Uh, and Thomas did an amazing job putting this thing together. I was on the phone a couple of days ago with a PR firm director and she uses a tool that she that costs $10,000 a month uh, called Meltwater that's like the go-to resource for PR firms. And she says, <clears throat> this tool that I pay for, she shares it with some other firms to bring the cost down, doesn't do what the podcast host directory does. <laughs> so uh, for $5 a month, you get more than what uh, would normally cost uh, way, way more. So anyway, uh, everybody has access to those. Somebody asked in the chat if they can upgrade from the a lower level to the $5 level to be eligible. And the answer is yes. As long as there's some open spots at the $5 level, you can absolutely upgrade to be eligible. Once the $5 spots go away, though, then you won't be able to upgrade. Um, all right. So with that, um, let's, Jim, you want to talk about some episodes, some of our favorite uh, episodes of the kind of looking back? Yeah. One of the episodes is actually a fairly recent episode. I mean, really recent episode. And that's episode 199. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is one this... of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. And and as, as we looked into this and developed uh, a PDF download for this together, we realized that we've really got something here. And what it is, is how to create a design brief for your book cover, because you are working with a designer and you want, they're cold. They don't know your book. And so you're trying to give them all the information possible and you're kind of off the top of your head and, and some of them, but not a lot of them will give you um, a form to fill out where you're going to say, I, I want this and this and this. But Thomas and I have never really seen any of those that are as complete as we think they should be. So we came at it from an author's point of view and developed this presentation that you can give to your designer to say, this is exactly what I want. And it helps her or him 
design you a much better cover than they could have done if they're just asking these random questions or you're giving them these random random answers. We have started experimenting a year ago with making uh, gifts for listeners uh, that they could download for a limited time uh, that helped them with um, what we were talking about. And I've never been more proud of one that we made than the seven-page template for creating a book cover um, brief. And as Timothy Bat Batson said, I came on board at that uh, 199 and was blown away by the cover brief PDF. Um, so yeah, we're glad we're glad you enjoyed it. It's 100% free. You just give us your email address, and you get uh, a Word document, and you just and it's got an example, and it's it's very easy to use. And uh, something I wish we had created earlier because some of my consulting clients could have benefited from it, uh, <laughs> having already uh, existed. Another one of my favorite episodes, uh, and now we're going to go back, um, is uh, the branding episodes and. So episode 41, 42, and 43 was a three-step process for creating a breakthrough author brand. And this came out of a kind of an aha moment I had while I was working on a course that never ended up getting published. I was working on a course with another author on how to get more speaking gigs, which never materialized. But while we were brainstorming the branding section of that course, these three steps started to emerge. And then I got with Jim and he helped refine my thinking. And then later we've added a fourth step to creating a brand. And it's of the episodes, it's some of the ones I most often like email people. I'm probably going to create a course. Maybe, Jim, we should create a course uh, on branding, revisit this topic. Um, I own novelbranding.com, so maybe we'll, we'll create something cool <laughs> on um, helping you create a brand. But those are some of my favorites. And yeah, then, mine too. I love those because there are so many people that. I, well, let me let me make this personal. I still I I've taught branding for years. You and I have taught together, and we've taught separately all over the world. And and yet, I still love listening to people talk about branding because I I learn something. And so I think those episodes made me realize that it's it's those are talks that you could listen to probably once a year and and get something new out of maybe maybe twice a year. So yeah, those those are some of my faves as well. Uh, and somebody's asking in the chat, how do they sign up for that template document? It's at uh, novelmarketing.com forward slash 199. Um, and then the, my last set of kind of favorites looking back, and Jim, I know you have some favorites that you uh, peeled away, but um, was the Enclave Files episodes. So in the, we, our lives have had a lot of twists and turns over the last six years as we've been doing this show. And one of the twists and turns that I personally had was that I got hired as a marketing director at a publishing company with the opportunity to put what I preach into practice, which is kind of scary, right? Because it's easy to do a podcast episode about something. It's harder to actually get into the weeds and do it. And so we did, I got the permission from the publishing company uh, to do case studies as we went. So before we knew what the results were going to be, I talked about what the plan was, how we were executing the plan, and then and we did a second episode. So there's Enclave Files number one and Enclave Files number two. And the TLDR is that sales went up by over 500%. So what we teach on this podcast really does work. And I break down what that strategy was. So if any of you are working with small publishers or are a small publisher and you want to learn like some things that worked back in 2015, uh, those episodes, Enclave Files one and Enclave Files two, uh, episodes one, uh, 54 and 74, um, break down what we did. And uh, yeah, it was a great uh, learning experience. It was a great opportunity. And I was really glad to be able to do that. And um, all right. So I say we do another giveaway. This is a free back cover copy. So not everyone wants back cover copies. So you're going to have to specifically enter to win this one by posting in the chat. 
and uh, we will pick one of you randomly. And while we do that, we have another audio clip to play. Hey, this is Mary DeMuth from the Pray Every Day Show, and I want to congratulate Thomas and Jim on their 200th episode of Novel Marketing. So excited that they have been so prolific in this particular show, and I just want to encourage you to keep listening because it's like having a master's level class in marketing every single week. And so um, great information and has always been transformative to me. So congratulations, guys, and keep up the amazing work. All right. And thank you, Mary, uh, from the Prairie Day podcast uh, for that shout out. Uh, my favorite of the people who posted in the chat, uh, Deborah posted, she's been listening to our podcast for 24 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> so we're say three minutes thing. in to this recording. Deborah, we so, love you. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Welcome to the family. All right, Jim, what were some of your favorite episodes from the last two? Uh, I would have to say episode 101. <clears throat> and that is why mastermind groups give bestselling authors an edge and how to start one. I know what my mastermind group has done in my life, and it has been so much deeper and more fulfilling and more enriching than just writing because you're in my mastermind group, Thomas, as most people know, and Mary DeMuth, who we just heard from, is in my mastermind group. And that group has really changed my life. And so I love that episode. I love pointing people that to that episode so that they can get the same benefit that we've gotten out of our mastermind group. All right. Uh I agree. We've done a couple of episodes on mastermind groups, and I know of mastermind groups that have actually been created based off of those episodes and kind of on our example. And I, we did create a course on how to create a writer's group, and uh, that course is similar to how to create a mastermind group. So if you've ever thought about creating a mastermind group, that course may be one to check out. We will be giving away a copy later on uh, in this live event, but it also comes bundled free with the five-year plan. It's an, it's included because we encourage everyone going through the five-year plan to becoming a best-selling author to be a part of a writer's group. And one of the biggest pieces of complaint was no one else has started a writer's group in my area. Therefore, I can't join a writer's group. And I'm like, there is another option. <laughs> you may be the leader we have been waiting for. Uh, and so anyway, there's a course breaks down step-by-step step how to do that. Um, all right, Jim, what are some of your other favorite episodes? Another favorite is a recent one, 197, which is how to sell a ton more books with public speaking. And I know this from my own experience. If I keynote in an event, I'm going to sell 60% more books. And so I know the power of that. And I love what we put together because it's a very practical, you can do these things if you want to get into public speaking. And um, some of you know that my son and I, Taylor, started a couple of years ago, the Rubart Writing Academy, where we bring people in for a four-day live event. And what has surprised me is, I mean, the majority of the people we get in there are introverts. What has surprised me about that is like 90% of them say, yes, I would like to speak. I'd like to learn how to do that. I'm open to that. And that's encouraging because again, back to the, the point I made when I started talking about this, you can sell a ton more books by learning how to speak. And it's something that you're gonna have to work at, but it's something that can be done. You can learn it. Even if you're an introvert, you can learn it. And so that episode just gives you some real practical tips on how you get started. <clears throat> Which I think is uh, really great. And it's one of the things I really enjoy about working with authors is helping them do something that they didn't think they could do before. Sometimes it's getting published. They didn't think they could publish or they didn't think they could finish their first book or they didn't think they could do advertising. And public speaking is one of those things that once you do it, it feels amazing, right? It's scary beforehand, but it feels great afterwards. And the results uh, speak for themselves. Um, so what, what were some of your other favorites, Jim? 
Well, real quick, Thomas, I just have to give a shout out to Shatana because she was kind enough to pass pistachio ice cream around to everybody. And that's just, you know, I, I, and I actually have yeah, ice cream. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Once we get to the questions and we start answering your questions, I'm breaking out the ice cream. We are going to really start <laughs> celebrating. And if any of y'all brought uh, something delicious to eat to this party, and I know we're already way over the time, but somebody said, hey, we should do a 200 minute episode. For 200 uh, <laughs> episode 200 it's not going to be that long but no, uh, we have but, we have a lot more to share uh but real quick what were some of the other favorites yeah just a couple of the favorites is 189 and 111 i think those two go together how to create how to craft a compelling elevator pitch for your book and how to write best-selling back cover copy because for me that's where it all starts you meet somebody randomly in an airport or on an airplane you got to be able to tell them in 20 seconds what your book is about so it grabs them and then if they're interested, right, they're going to go to Amazon or the bookstore or wherever, and they're going to read that back cover copy. And those two things together, if done well, can sell a bunch of books. So I, I love those episodes. I loved how to create book club resources for your book. So somebody's doing your uh, book in a book club. How do you create resources for them where they go, oh, my gosh, the, the, what Jim or Thomas created for me? What happens there is you get these raving fans because you went over and above and Word of mouth is going to spread when you do that right. So I love that one. I love this is one you developed, Thomas, that I just thought was outstanding. And that is six things readers are looking for on your website because your website is your home. That's your home base. And so if we know what the readers are looking for ahead of time and we provide those to the readers, then we get fans, hopefully, for a long, long time. That's and then actually finally, been one of the interesting things that's changed over the years. We used to talk about author websites like every 20 episodes. It was a or, or really every 10 frequent episodes. or every 10 episodes. Yeah. I mean, we've done probably a dozen episodes on author websites. And I don't know if we've done any in the last year. Like, yeah, we start talking about author websites as much. Uh, perhaps we need to do another episode on author websites yeah, here coming up. Uh, it's time to revisit that topic. And then the um, the last one that was a fave is myths authors believe, because uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there, and people are saying things that just aren't true. Readers Digest every now and then has, I get an email from them, and they talk about myths that we still believe. You know, if you go outside with your hair wet, you're going to catch a cold. Well, we have a lot of those type of myths in the world of publishing too. And we did that one. That was 130, Thomas. So I'm thinking we might want to do revisit that idea again. We have started, and we had not made any noise about this. So we're letting you all know for the first time, revisiting old episodes. We'll take the old outline. We'll beef it up and do it again. And so far, no one has noticed. <laughs> or if people have noticed, they haven't said anything uh, because the Thank topics <laughs> do need to get updated. Uh, the most famous yeah. one, I think, was the business cards uh, episode, which I felt was our first good episode. I think it was episode six. And some people said it was an episode we first started to find our stride. We still sounded terrible, and it was still really rough. But it was the first time it's like, we are covering a topic no one else is covering. No one is talking about how to have a better author business card than the next guy. <laughs> like that, that is the kind of nerdy topic that you can expect uh, here on the Novel Marketing um, <laughs> Podcast. Uh, all right. I think it's time for another giveaway. Oh, I, I like it. Let's do it. Okay. So uh, this is the tax and what we're giving away is the tax and business guide for authors course. Uh, if you've been listening to the show, this is a course you've heard us talk about. It's where I talk with my dad, who's been a CPA for 35 years, working with authors and celebrities uh, for, I think, all of that time, if not most of that time. He's, he's very sought after uh, by people in this industry because he really knows not just taxes, but um, author taxes uh, really well. And I pick his brain. I, we, we go through kind of the fundamentals of American taxes for 
authors. So if you're not from America, that part of the course won't apply. But the other part of the course is all about the business side of, of how to treat your writing like a business, how to be more profitable, um, how to be more business-like, which especially if you're indie is really important because you're starting a publishing business. Anyway, free copy of, I didn't mean to pitch that, but I always feel like I have to explain <laughs> it because if you talk about, hey, who wants to get a free course on taxes? It's like crickets. No, one, so, right. <laughs> no, no one's going like, hey, saving money on taxes is fun and we have fun in the course. So post in the comments when your first book was published. So you do have to be published to be entered to win this. If you're not published yet, uh, this isn't the right course for you. You need to be working on getting your first book out. Uh, but yeah, post in the comments when your first book was published. And while you're doing that, let's listen to our next audio clip. This is William Timothy Murray, author of The Year of the Red Door. My enthusiastic congratulations and thanks to you guys for 200 episodes and almost six years of novel marketing goodness. I think I've listened to every single episode at least twice, and I truly look forward to the next 200. Everybody's talking about the next 200 like it's a for sure thing. <laughs> <laughs> we really appreciate that, uh, William. We appreciate you listening and for your kind uh, words. And hopefully there will be another 200 <laughs> episodes. Yep. And uh, William, if you could pick a uh, winner uh, with your magical random number generator. Um, all right, let's talk about some, uh, um, we are going to get your questions and we have, gosh, we have a lot more to get to. Um, let's talk about some podcast milestones. So uh, Jim, I guess we'll just go through this quickly. Uh, the first one yeah. uh, that jumps out to me is when we hit a hundred thousand downloads for the first time. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that was big. Yeah. They say your first hundred thousand is the hardest. <laughs> so we've, <laughs> we've hit that, you know, again, uh, but it, it took a long time the first time. So that was really fun. We did that in 2017. Uh, we finally passed a hundred K. Uh, what are some of the big milestones for you, Jim? Well, launching the five-year plan, which which has a <laughs> has a really funny origin story, because Thomas, we were at our mastermind retreat, um, which we do every year. Our mastermind group we gather in January every year live, which it may, it's just such a rich experience. But but I really needed a, a new laptop, and Thomas says, "Well, let's." build a course to fund that. And I'm like, okay. And so we sat in your apartment after the mastermind retreat and just worked like crazy men on it for like four days. And then we refined it and then we started recording it and all to, to get me a new laptop. And it has just, so that was our motivation. Not that we weren't trying to do a good job. We did. I think we did an excellent job at it, but I don't think either one of us expected so many people to take it and just be raving about it. So that's been really satisfying to, to have helped so many people with that course. And what a life-changing course it would be because it's really helped a lot of folks get unstuck and yeah. start to actually yeah. move milestones because <clears throat> it breaks down basically the first five years of your career, what you need to be working on when and what you need to not be wasting time on yet. And yeah. uh, it, it's it's really valuable and we priced it way too low because again, our goal low. was just to cover the laptop and we didn't even think <laughs> about what this would be worth and everyone kind of shook their heads at us and it's still priced too low. It is. Keep, but... Every year we raise the price. Um, but anyway, heads up and the 20% discount works on that and congrats to Donovan who won a, a copy <clears throat> of the five-year plan. Um, so no, sorry, Donovan won whatever our last giveaway is. We haven't given, we're going to give away a copy of the five-year plan. We haven't done it yet. I'm getting off, I'm getting off script here. Um, one of the big milestones for me, Jim, was when we launched our Patreon. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's if, a good one. If you look at our downloads, they were kind of flat for like a year, year and a half. When we launched Patreon, they start picking back up and growing. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and part of the reason was that our patrons allowed us to improve the quality of the show. Uh, we started to be able to afford a service like that posts the audio as videos to Facebook that costs us money every month. We we're able to afford William to do post-production. We we're able to just level up and kind of improve the quality. And it allowed us to put more time into it because we mailed it in for at least a year. I think 2015, 2016, um, we were mailing it in. Those were not our best episodes. <laughs> At least I was mailing it in. Jim was still working hard. Um, but once the podcast, yeah. once the Patreon went live, um, we started taking this more seriously. And it's really thanks yeah. to you helping us take it more seriously. We now have 75 patrons, which is really exciting. And it grows every month. And we yeah. really are we very appreciative. You so much. Yeah. yeah, we really appreciate all of our patrons. <laughs> and you get a bonus exclusive episode every month. Um, or almost every month, only if you send in questions. <laughs> so, um, all right, uh, Jim, what are some other uh, big milestones? I'd, see, I'd have to say another milestone for us was launching um, the Blueprint, um, you know, the book launch Blueprint, which, again, we got to give another shout out to Mary because back to that mastermind theme, uh, <laughs> the theme of this, pod this podcast right now is not about the mastermind group, but Mary and Thomas and I were talking at one of the mastermind retreats and we started saying, you know, the three of us should do this together. And really it, it was Mary's idea to, to do this. And she had so much material already, but the three of us came together and said, wow, with the three of us bringing our expertise together in different areas, we could create something really powerful for people. And, and that's what it's turned out to be that it's so gratifying when you get these emails from people saying, Oh my gosh, that this, this course was just massive for my career, launching my career forward. So um, I'd say and that what, was a big, and what a, this was a big learning experience for me, because this is our only course that's live. So we only do it once a year and there's a window and everyone does day one together. Everyone does day two together. It's in community. It's the only course we do that way. And it's really fun. Like it's fun to watch the progress and the, Back and forth, it's a little exhausting <laughs> to, to to deal with all of that feedback all at once. But uh, it's it's been a fun. It is, but Thomas, don't you have those moments where you're on the the Facebook and you one of our students posts something, you need to go. I wish I could be that brilliant, right? <laughs> students are coming up with great ideas, so yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. and the brainstorming with each other, it's it's really fun. Um, another uh, milestone for me was when we hit 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts, which embarrassingly happened like. <laughs> six weeks ago <laughs> we do not have a lot of reviews on apple podcasts um and I, which you know we it, part well, of it is because stopped, we haven't been we asked ask, i think we stopped we asking for reviews like uh, episode 100 or even earlier than that so yeah we haven't really asked for reviews so i'm going to post in the chat where you can leave a review if anyone wants to leave a review we did get our first negative review uh, a few weeks ago somebody was really mean to jim uh, so I feel like that's an accomplishment. We unlocked our first negative review or semi-negative. Sorry, Jim. Oh, we're, we're <laughs> but, <finally legit. laughs> yeah. If any of y'all want to say something nice about Jim in the, in the reviews, um, <laughs> don't on the chat. Let, Let me at him. Let me at him. They're like, why are they after Jim? Um, everybody loves Jim except for one, one guy on, on the internet. Um, so, but anyway, that was cool. Uh, uh, a couple other real quick ones. Uh, switching to Zencaster for recording, I think, really helped improve the quality. I realize it's kind of like in the weeds podcasting stuff, uh, but post and also adding William uh, doing post production was key. And then our biggest, most recent milestone as of yesterday: moving to ConvertKit. <laughs> so um, the great adventure that is uh, ConvertKit. Um, hopefully, good things will happen. All right, I think it's time for another giveaway. Let's do it. Drum roll. All right. So this is for anyone who has voted on someone else's question. And while you are voting, we have another audio to play. 
Uh, and this is to uh, win a copy of the five-year plan of becoming a best-selling author. So this is our signature course. And here is James Scott Bell. This is James Scott Bell calling out congratulations to the two smartest and handsomest <laughs> podcasters in the history of communication. Congratulations on number 200. Thanks for all the help you give to writers. Ah, James Cuppell. We we love him. Uh, I don't know who the two handsomest uh, podcasters are, but certainly not me. Either. Yeah. <laughs> not, when not. I was a child, my mom looked at me and she said, Thomas, you have a face for podcasting. <laughs> that's not true. That's Maybe not that's true. why I was on the radio. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why I did the radio. Okay, so let's real quickly, we're going to talk, we're going to get um, to some highlights. Uh, so just to give you an idea of kind of what's c- coming up. Um, we're going to talk about some popular episodes. The most popular one is going to go real quick at a countdown. We're going to have some audience highlights of like things um, students have put into practice when the results were. And then we are going to answer your questions. We have a bunch more things to give away, including the prize that everyone gets uh, if you stick around. And this is a legit prize. You're not going uh, to want to miss this. Um, so let's jump in. Uh, I guess, uh, Jim, you want to do this every other. We'll do a countdown from 10 down to one, the most popular episodes and i should say we switched podcast hosts around episode 100 so none of our oldest episodes were eligible unfortunately so there's a disclaimer here on that we don't know um if there uh, like i think the braining episodes probably deserve to be on here but we're going by the official blueberry numbers for this countdown and the number 10 most popular episode was how free pulsing can help you sell more books with jamie foley and i think Jamie's in the chat. I think yeah. Jamie's on the chat. Jamie is yeah. in the chat. All right. Jim, what's the next most popular episode? Next one is episode 150, a blueprint on how to launch your book, which we were chatting about just a few minutes ago. Thomas? Yeah, it's interesting that that made the top list. Uh, so anyway, uh, the next one is 10 things every book cover mm-hmm. needs. So book covers, popular topic. Uh, and I can see why that one made the list. Uh, episode number seven, or the seventh most, most popular, one, episode 104, how to independently publish your book. Again, that shift to people going, all right, I, I traditional maybe isn't the best route. How do I get my book published if I'm going indie? Also, um, a lot of the things in this episode are now out of date. So let us know in the chat if you want us to revisit this topic of how to publish independently. <clears throat> so just say, yes, I'm interested. I, I suspect a lot of our listeners are already published, so maybe it's not as interesting, but do let us know. All right, the next one is, <clears throat> excuse me, episode 152, a six most popular episode, and it's how to write 5,000 words an hour with Chris Fox. So if you're trying to write 20 books to make your 50K, learning how to write fast is key. And yeah, and that was not a typo uh, in Thomas's pronunciation there. It wasn't five, how to write, write 5,000 words a day. It was how to write 5,000 words an hour. That, that was a great episode. Next is 12 Chrome extension every author needs. Thomas is, you know, uh, Mary and I call him Thomas Google stat because he knows all these tricks and tips and, and everything about every part of life. But one of the areas is, all right, if you're an author, and you're a fan of Chrome, these are 12 extensions that can make your life easier. So it doesn't surprise me that that's a popular episode. I still shake my head at why this episode is so popular. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I, I, I'm i I'm glad y'all find it helpful. Sometimes I'm surprised at which episodes are popular and which ones kind of are fizzle. Uh, <laughs> this one did not fizzle. Uh, all right, number four is episode 105, How to Sell More Books with Amazon Ads with Lacey Williams, this was our first episode on Amazon ads. We've done a bunch 
of episodes since then. Um, and if, and if you're, you can click on the tag and you can just listen to one after another if you want to. And uh, you'll really get a great education on Amazon ads. Um, Jamie in the chat saying, that was a great episode, exclamation point. Amy <laughs> Lacey was so helpful. Um, so we're, we're big fans of Lacey. Number three is episode 107, book cover mistakes that can sabotage your marketing. So interesting that number eight is 10 things every book cover needs. And people also want to go, okay, great. I know that. But what mistakes could I possibly be making or have already made? So um, yeah, that's number three. And our number two, most popular episode of all time. So I've got ice cream in my mouth. Yay, rice or pseudo ice cream. Uh, was episode 190. So it's, a, it's the most recent one on the list. How to use BookBub to sell more books with David Gogan. Yeah, David is great. He's a celebrity in his own right. And he brought a lot of his uh, folks to the show for that episode. It was a really great interview. We took talk specifically about book by advertising with the guy who literally wrote the book on book pub advertising. Uh, so it's a really great episode. All right, Jim, what's our number one most popular episode the of number all time? One, number one most popular episode on novel marketing is episode 111. I guess that's appropriate, right? If it's the number one episode and it is how to write back cover copy. Even if you're not gonna learn how to write it yourself, which I, I encourage you to at least explore the topic, Understanding this helps you work with a back cover copywriter. So I love that that is our most popular episode because in my mind, it's probably the number one skill you need to, to at least understand. And this is one of those uh, episodes where it's all Jim. So I'm like the color commentary guy on this one. And somebody posted in the chat if, if Jim is hireable for back cover copy if you didn't win. And I, told, I, I spoke for you and said, yes, <laughs> did you fill out the contact <laughs> form on novel marketing? Is that true? Like, do you do, are you still doing that? People Am I still writing back cover copy for people? Yeah. Are, are you engageable? If I'm engageable. Yeah. If somebody wants to hire me for back cover copy, I actually love doing it. Um, that's my background. I, I wrote ads for probably wrote in over a thousand ads. And that's what a back cover copy is, is, is an ad. So yes, if you're interested in hiring me, I'd love to talk to you about it. Okay. All right. It's time for another giveaway. So this <clears throat> is the how to start a writer's group course that we talked about earlier. And to enter to win this one, post in the comments how you listen to the show. So if you listen in an app, uh, post the name of the app or whatever. If you listen on a website, if you listen on a tin can, it doesn't matter how you listen. Just post <laughs> if you're interested in winning um, this course. And while you're posting that, we'll go on to our next audio from... This is CJ and Shelly Hitz from Kingdom Writers Podcast. And we wanted to congratulate Thomas and Jim on 200 episodes of Novel Marketing. Way to go, guys. We are so excited for you. Oh, that was really fast. <laughs> <laughs> you sound pretty good with your mouth full, Thomas. <laughs> Eating ice cream live on the air seemed like a good idea when y'all suggested it on Facebook. <laughs> um, all right. So, William, if you can uh, select a winner yeah, from all the folks who just posted... Uh, it's interesting to see how everyone uh, listens differently, right? Some people listening on the website, some people on Stitcher, some people are on Spotify. This is what is so unique about podcasting as a medium is that there's no one company that controls it, uh, which is it's like the last bastion of free mm. speech. Mm. There's no, no corporation dictating what you can and can't say. I, I really like podcasting for this reason. The founding fathers of podcasting really set it up in such a way where it's decentralized like the internet used to be in the olden days. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. 
Uh, so next, uh, let's share some highlights. So some of our listeners, we asked, you know, share something in the last 200 episodes that really jumped out at you. And uh, Jim, I'm going to let you um, read some of these. This is just real quick notes. We edited the, them to get down to the heart of it. But uh, I'm going to eat some ice cream if you don't yeah, mind. Yeah, so you can eat some ice cream. So Kate DeBianca says, I love listening to the Novel Marketing Podcast. There's almost always something I can use. The advertising episodes, especially Facebook and book marketing have been a huge help. And thanks for having Randy Ingermanson on the show. I'm using a modified snowflake method, and he's going to be the guest interviewee on my blog on August 20th at kdebianca.com. Tammy Kennington says, to grow my speaking and build my platform, I'm not charging a fee yet, as you guys suggested, or and as you guys suggested, I've created my own event this September. Tammy, way to go. That's so cool. Um, thanks for all the tips, advice, and encouragement. And congratulations on 200. Paul West says, what a fun surprise to discover my question about attempting to write truth and afraid of being found in error inspired you to record episode 185, how to keep writing when you're scared about what others will think. Even though you guys misinterpreted my question a bit, I still enjoyed the episode and you did solve part of my problem. So uh, we do love it when our listeners suggest topics and ask questions. So if you guys have ideas, for a topic, please send them our way. Um, also, sorry for misinterpreting your question. Yeah, we never we never <laughs> claim to be very smart. Okay, <laughs> that's right. That's smartest thing that JSB said. Mm, yeah, not so much. <laughs> Kelly Renee says, Thomas and Jim, you're my regular companions on my walk around the park with my dog Blossom. Your voices literally calm my anxious writing heart. And Kelly, that is so cool to hear that. Thank you. You've really helped me establish myself as a writer, especially in my own mind. Exactly, Kelly, that's where it starts, the belief inside ourselves to keep going. The episode on building an email list by setting up a lead magnet is what helped me the most. Plus, you've cured me of feeling the need to run and hide in my closet every time I do something on social media. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping to be cured of that myself someday, Thomas. <laughs> Currently, I'm editing my second novella to be released soon. You gave me the confidence, and I am eternally grateful. I always said I'd become a patron when I earned something from this endeavor, and I just received my first paycheck from Amazon for my no novella, Saving Sabine. Thank you so much for all you guys do to help so many of us in our dreams of becoming authors, and congratulations, Thomas, on your beautiful baby, and to Jim on your latest book. I can't Aww. wait to read it. Blessings to you both, Kelly Renee. That, that's really sweet, Kelly. Thank you. And we know Kelly listens to the end of every episode because that's where we put the personal information. So Jim and I have had long debates over how much of our personal lives to talk about on the show. Um, I'm of the opinion that no one cares about me and no one wants to hear about my personal life. But Jim thinks that people do want to hear about it. So our compromise is that we put it at the end <laughs> so that the people <laughs> who want to hear can hear it and the people who don't want to hear uh, can skip it without losing anything else. Uh, William says he cares about me. Thank you, William. William is, William is my brother. <laughs> so my family cares. Um, well, thank you so much for, uh, for your kind uh, notes. That, that comes. David says, David Winter says, William cares about you, Thomas. <laughs> exactly, exactly. People on the internet don't care. All right, the next prize is the prize. So everyone who enters wins, and it is a copy of Rooms by James L. Rubart. This is Jim's book that is award-winning 
and best-selling and has over 700 reviews on Amazon. He's not giving away his like book that he kind of mailed in. He's giving away <laughs> the crown jewel. And it's available uh, to all of you for the next 24 hours. Click the link, uh, this bit.ly link. There's a sign-up form that will, um, it's a story origin. So it'll help you load it if you have a Kindle or a ebook reader or an iPad or whatever. Whatever you use, it will help. Uh, it'll walk you through the process. Story origin, for those of you who don't know, it's like book funnel, but free. And so, uh, like all good cheap podcasters, <laughs> we're using the free service. I know uh, the guy who puts it together. He's a really cool guy, and he's building a really neat platform. Uh, so we have the link there in the show notes. If you would like to get a, a free copy, free ebook copy of Rooms, the crown jewel of the James L. Rubart <laughs> uh, pantheon. Although I just read his most recent book. And I will say he has the creepiest of all the villains in his most recent book. I mean, this guy was scary. And he was scary because he's like totally I, somebody I could see in real life existing. Um, <laughs> at first, I thought it, he had based it off of me and I was uh, very offended. But then I kept reading like, there's no way this is based off of me. I'm only like half no, as terrible as this no, guy. It's not based off <laughs> of you. But it, I will say, I will say, oh, my gosh, I'm going to tell you guys this live. It, it was based off of a real person. So I, I, there I, you go. It, it felt it felt very real. The, the, the character felt very genuine. Okay, well, mm -hmm. <laughs> now you know why. <clears throat> All right, let's get to some questions. Um, so we have got a lot of questions come in. So we are going to take these in the order in which they were voted for. So if your question got a lot of votes, we're going to answer your question <clears throat> first. So let me pull up the questions here. Do you recommend doing pre-orders? What kind of promotion or paid advertising do you recommend for the pre-order period? Uh, what do you change once the book is released? I write contemporary Christian fiction. So let me walk you through the pros and cons of pre-orders. Uh, one of the pros of pre-orders <clears throat> is that allowing pre-orders on Amazon allows you to populate your also bots with good books, like appropriate books before um, your book comes out because it helps educate Amazon's algorithm about what other books your book is similar to, which is very valuable because when you have good books and you're also bots, you're also an also bot for other good books, right? That goes both ways. Um, not hundred percent, but in general. So that's the advantage. The disadvantage is that Amazon um, in general, they've done some experiments the other way, but for the most part, Amazon doesn't count pre-order sales towards your ranking on the day your book comes out. Apple does, that you get to double dip with Apple. So you always want, if you're in iBooks, if you're going wide and you're on iBooks, you want to do a pre-order because you get the credit when the book comes out and then you get the credit again <clears> when the book is released. So the best way to hit number one on the iBooks charts is to have a really robust pre-order period. On, on Amazon, it's just the opposite. If you have a really robust pre-order, your launch day sales are gonna be really low, right? Because all your core fans have already pre-ordered and those sales don't count again. So that actually hurts your ranking. Now, what some people do is they will have a short pre-order. Uh, other people don't care about Amazon rankings. They're not trying to get people from Amazon's algorithm. So they'll have a long pre-order. Uh, traditional published books typically have a long pre-order. Uh, and so there's kind of pros and cons of both. Uh, Jim, what are, what are some of your thoughts on the pre to no, pre-order or not to pre-order? <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's, it's honestly, Thomas, it's like everything. It, it's a little bit of the wild west these days where you experiment, you 
do one book one way, you do one book the other way. It, it's just not, it's an art. It's not as much of a science as, as it used to be. Yeah, going on to some of the rest of this question, um, what do you change once the book is released? Um, I'd encourage you to listen to episode 150, where we talk about the book launch plan. We talk a lot about the course in that, but we also kind of give a 30-minute overview of everything that's taught in the course. And they are, um, we kind of break down, what do you do the week before? What do you do the week after? Uh, to give you a TLDR, you know, the weeks after your launch is all about maintaining um, your momentum. So you want to have a written plan of the things that you're doing to promote your book. Uh, maybe you start advertising. Maybe you're doing some PR. Maybe you're going on some guest podcasts that you scheduled using podcasthostdirectory.com to get in contact uh, with some uh, podcasts. But all of those things to kind of keep the momentum uh, going. Now, what will work for you is often dependent on what, what your strengths are. So if you're really good and comfortable talking, podcasting may be really good uh, for you. If you're more comfortable writing, it may be blogging is easier. It's harder to blog for fiction, uh, but you can do advertising. Another thing you may consider is uh, email list swaps. So you connect with other authors who also write the same uh, genre as you and see if they will promote your book to their list. All right. Um, next question. We're going to have to go through these questions quickly because there are a lot of questions and we're already at an hour. Um, so uh, let's get on to the next one. Jim? Or I'll read uh, this one. Audiobooks are yeah. so expensive to produce. Uh, would it be a good idea to sign a contract with an audiobook publisher just to make the format av available, even if they take 90% of the profits after paying for the production costs? No, I don't believe in this. <laughs> so you're much better off uh, going the ACX route and getting a 50-50 split than you are working with the traditional audiobook um, publishers. These audiobook publishers are <clears throat> sitting in the middle of a relationship adding no value. It's much better to work directly with the narrator. So like Jim, for instance, uh, does audiobook narration and he works directly with the publisher or sometimes directly with the author to record the book. And not having a middleman means he gets paid more and the author pays less. <laughs> Working with the production company, you're paying a, often like twice as much money, sometimes 90% is a lot uh, for a company that doesn't mm -hmm. add very much value. Yeah, it, it, exactly right. That That is the way to go. And it, part of it comes down to how much do you believe in your book, even if you're good, even if you're going to go with ACX, how much do you believe in your book? Um, and there's a number of different ways to go with ACX. We had an episode on that. I don't know if you can find that for us, William, but we did go into the details of it. The thing that has changed since uh, we did that episode about ACX and doing your audio book is that ACX has introduced a program called Royalty Share, where you're going to be able to get a higher quality. There's two models with ACX. There's the narrator does it for essentially free. So there's no money up front, but you split the royalty cost. The other option is to say, um, I'm going to give you the flat fee and you don't have any royalties after that. Royalty share gives you kind of a hybrid model. So I would encourage those of you exploring the idea of audiobooks to go to ACX and they've got a lot of material there that you can learn from simply poking around their site. There's also voices.com. A lot of uh, higher end audiobook narrators are on voices.com. Um, but ideally I, I recommend working with the, uh, the, 
narrator directly, either through ACX or something like that. Um, yeah, know. and I have loved, frankly, I have as an audiobook narrator, I have loved working directly with the authors because you have that one-on-one -on -one communication, and they can say, "I like this, I don't like this, let's change this." And th without the middleman there, it's just much more efficient, and frankly, it's it's a lot more fun to do it that way too. And, and it helps ensure that everything is appropriately pronounced. <laughs> So throwing throwing a little shade there. A certain audiobook narration company <laughs> that will go unnamed. unnamed. <laughs> you have been celebrating with James L. Rubart and Thomas Umstead Jr. during our 200th episode of the Novel Marketing Podcast, where we hope we've been giving you innovative ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between for two hundred times and we are looking forward to the next 200 with great anticipation thank you dear friends for listening <laughs>